You know, about 10 years ago, I was hanging out in Starbucks, the same Starbucks, every day, six days a week. Uh, mostly because I'm deeply addicted to coffee, but uh, partially because um, I felt like it was my calling to hang out in the Bradley Shopping Center Starbucks. And I made friends there, a lot of non-religious people, and made connections. And eventually, I discovered they started calling me the religious guy. <laughs> uh, oh, it's the religious guy. He's here. He knows everything. Let's go ask him. And so periodically, on a break, some uh, barista at Starbucks would come and sit down with me and have a conversation about something they were struggling with in their lives and or something that was going on. One time, the assistant manager came over and said, hey, I've got all these, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm getting my black apron, you know, the ultimate uh, desire of every person who's ever worked at Starbucks, the black apron, which essentially means you know every, you can smell the coffee and say, oh, I believe that's roasted in Sumatra. It's a dark roast, and uh, let's see, it was two years ago because it has that earthy smell to it. I can absolutely, that's what he was working on. He said, would you taste these coffees with me? And I sat down there, and we were talking about coffee, and we were talking about God, and we were talking about, you know, he said, people call you the religious guy. And I'm like, Really? That's interesting. What do you think that means? It means that everybody knows that you're religious. And I said, oh, okay, whatever that means, that means. Um, over, over time then, I, I started to feel a little uncomfortable coming into Starbucks because I'm sitting there and I didn't know what to do with that whole religious label thing. Uh, what, what do I do? I mean, I, I, I don't want people to think, oh, there's that holy guy who's holier than everybody else and thinks he's better, because that's not what religion is. That's not what faith is. It's, it's not a show so that everybody says, oh, there's that religious guy, and you can feel really good about yourself. It's got to be something deeper, something more, something wider, something broader, something, something that calls to the very soul of us. I mean, do we really believe that God became one of us in the person of Jesus so that we could put on a great show? I don't think so. In fact, Jesus constantly called out people who were making shows. Today's passage, you can see if you uh, have a copy of the printed update, which if you're online you do not, but you'll know that it's the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. And we're looking at really uh, three different separate parts of that passage but it's about, it's subtitled in my Bible, showy religion. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. Oh my gosh, what was I doing hanging out in Starbucks with a St. James shirt on, with my journal, with the Bible? What was I thinking? Oh my gosh, I'm practicing my religion in front of people. I wasn't doing it to try to be holier than anyone else, and I don't practice it at Starbucks anymore. I practice it at the Alexandria Pastry Kitchen. Better pastries. Worse coffee, better pastries. So, uh, you know, you, you just got to trade off. Life is a matter of trade-offs in life. You have to decide what's important, how to be a, a person of faith in this world. 
Now, as I began to look at this, I, I began to think about all, all the opportunities we have in life to show off what our faith looks like. And James was so on target. This is the, this is the way the Spirit works. The funny thing is, James and I normally, during the rest of the year, we, during the summer we decided we'd take a break from having staff meetings every week. And so, you know, the two-person staff meeting, you know, where we sit with each other, oftentimes at Alexandria Pastry, uh, you know, uh, and eat pastry and drink coffee. And sometimes we, you know, we usually talk about what the message is going to be, and then he can design the music around that. But for the summer, we said, you know what, we'll just trust each other. We'll uh, call audibles as we feel necessary, that kind of dance that happens so often. But he was so on target with this whole show thing. Sometimes I think in our world, we think that slicker is better, show is better. I mean, look at the world in which we live, all around us in all sorts of places, in all kinds of ways. Everything is a show. Everything is a show. Uh, politics is a show. When did it stop being about taking care of us as human beings and being good citizens? When did it start being about the show? There are all these shows on television about becoming a star and rising up and following your dream. I want you to follow your dream. I, and I think that dreams are wonderful things. But uh, sometimes I'm just not sure that our dreams are the same kinds of dreams God is dreaming for us. God hopes for each one of us that we will find fulfillment in our lives, that we will be the people he imagined we'd be, not just people who are all show, just the facade, just the fake face. God wants us to be real. God hopes we'll be authentic. God made us to be who we are. I mean, why would God waste the time? You know, one of the wonderful things to think about is every single one of you in this room, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again probably, every single one of you is a unique expression of God's goodness in eternity. You are the only one in all of eternity that will be exactly like you. That's it. There are no duplicates. Even if you're a twin, there are no duplicates. Every single one of us, an expression of how God wants the universe to look in the smallest possible way. We are unique expressions of God. Why would we want to be somebody else? We are not meant to put on a show that is someone else's show. We're meant to be who we are. Now, I have to tell you, every week I get up here and every week it makes me feel uncomfortable. Because sometimes I wonder I'm on the edge of this being a show. Uh, you know, where does the show stop? Where does the James start? And so, usually I just tell you. What exactly is going on in my life? I try to be as honest and authentic with you as I know how to be about my own struggles, about what it takes to be a person of faith. You know, one of the things that, as a United Methodist pastor, I'm allowed to wear in worship is stoles, and not the kind that goes across here. Those, those are for deacons. I am an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, so I can wear this beautiful blue stole around my shoulders like this. Now, I don't. Usually, you know, you wear it over a robe, it looks cool. But this is my favorite piece of religious attire, and I'll tell you why. It was hand-stitched and made for me before I left the last church I served before I came to St. James. And I'll even let you all look at it after worship if you want to. It has the names of every child that was a part of the education program where I was the director of youth and young adults and children. 
and every one of them signed it. Some of them even said things to me. Some of them I'm still in touch with. One is married and has two children of her own. She was 12 when she signed this. Uh, that tells you how ancient I am. It makes me feel ancient when I hold it. But when I hold it in my hand, I realize how much love went into making this. Now, there's a reason you could all, in all truth, we could all wear stoles because these are just symbols of being yoked. I am yoked with Christ. I don't have to pull the full weight by myself. I've got somebody who's pulling the weight with me, and it's Jesus. Jesus is pulling that weight with me. And that's why we wear these, but sometimes I think we wear them more as a show than to remind us that we're connected. I, I looked at these names, and this morning, it almost, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was sitting in my spiritual chair, and I had decided that this was going to be a, a prop, if you will, for the show this morning. And as I pulled the prop out and looked at it, it, it really literally brought tears to my eyes. This may be the most beautiful gift uh, from people who are not members of my family that I have ever received in my life. Because it was hand-stitched, I think Francis Badman, who also made a quilt for Linda and I when we got married. Um, Francis Badman sewed this along with Alice, and I'll think of her last name in a second, but they sewed it for me. It has beautiful symbols. It has a cross on one side, and it has a fish on the other to remind me of uh, who, I, uh, who I am. And they made this for me. But more important than the symbols on that side is the names that are on this paper, all of the unique expressions of God's goodness that fill this world. I look at each one of you, and I don't know if you know the radiance of what comes out of you when you're just sitting there. You are made in God's image. Uh, if I understand biblical theology correctly, God didn't have to choose to make you. The fact that you're here means that God chose to make you. You. That's big. That's huge. When you think about it, there is only you. There's only one me. Many people are very delighted by that, you know, by the way. But uh, the truth is, we don't need to make it a show. Get up in the morning and watch the sun come up. Now that's a show. Go and sit by the river and watch the water flow by and the sticks and the other things floating in there. That's a show. Linda and I yesterday afternoon, we went for a walk in Huntley Meadows Park. And we saw frogs. We finally saw a frog. It took forever for us to find a frog. And I had to really, really search. Found a frog. We saw lots of turtles, including one huge snapping turtle so big that it would have taken my hand off if I'd put my hand down there. And I started, no, I didn't. And I thought about it. Linda saw a snake. I was too busy lollygagging looking at the frog because, oh, I'd seen a frog. So there was a snake. I missed the snake. We saw, we, we saw both egrets and a blue heron feeding. I could see in the distance a hawk circling. I saw all of that. That's a show. If you need a religion that's a show, you go sit and watch the sunset or the sunrise or a thunderstorm. That's a show. Sunday morning should never be a show. And the way that you live your faith should never be a show. Now, that's not to say other people shouldn't be able to see your faith 
the way you live. Now, if I had had a children's time, I had a plan. Because, you know, you, you should never just start talking to children if you don't have a plan, even if the plan is going to devolve completely. You can talk to adults without a plan because it's perfectly fine, but children know they will take you on another trip, so you better be ready to channel, channel whatever you're planning on channeling. At the very end, the assignment I was going to give them, you know, I was going to talk about show-offs. Have you ever known a show-off or the show-offs in your class, people who always try to draw attention to themselves? What would it look like if you, instead of drawing attention to your really flashy clothes or your really cool bandana that you're wearing, let's, let's play for it with our imagination for a moment. Just a moment. Imagine with me that you're playing dress-up with invisible clothes. And that's the clothes that you're going to put on over whatever else you're wearing. And the clothes you're going to put on is love. What do you think that that's going to look like when people see through that love when they're encountering you in your everyday life. And I imagine Shelby or Libby would have said to me something like, oh, I, it would have been kind. It would have been loving. It would be nice. It would be kind words, not harsh words. You see, you can be followers of Jesus in a showy way by simply being kind and loving and gentle and holding doors and not responding with wrath and turning the other cheek and doing all the things that Jesus taught us to do. That's how we can show our religion. Not by saying, oh, look at me. I follow Jesus. You're going to hell. <laughs> I've heard that a few many, too many times myself. Did someone pass along the title of eternal judge from God to you? I don't remember that checkoff list. You know, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> I did not get that memo. Not me, not you. But let's not jump ahead because judge, that comes in chapter 7 of Matthew. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks in the Sermon on the Mount series. I, I need you to, if I was going to talk about ways for you as adults, for all of us as adults, to try not to make our religion a show. The first thing I need you to develop is something that all of us need development to develop, and that is self-awareness. I need you to be aware of why you do what you do. Why, why do you do what you do? Do you do you say kind words because you want people to say kind words back? Do you say kind words because it glorifies God? Do you say kind words because you want to look good to everybody else? Why do you do what you do? Because the most important thing we'll ever learn in the spiritual life, one of the most important things, is to be awake. Jesus told us again and again and again to keep awake, to pay attention, because there are moments when I can cross over from bearing the message of Jesus to doing a nice show so everybody thinks, oh, that guy's cool. That guy's charismatic. That guy's charming. He's really handsome. How did he get to be that cool, that charming, that handsome? I don't know. Just came with the territory, I guess. The way God made me. <laughs> Just the way it is. You can wish, but you're never getting there. So, uh, see? Do you see how easy that was? Did I cross right over? Was that kind of an ugly show? It was. It was an ugly show. It was an ugly show. 
we don't need to be arrogant because you see, the very model for what our faith looks like emptied himself. Let the same mind be in you. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Philippians chapter 2. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus our Lord, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to hold on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Emptied himself. Emptied himself. What kinds of things are you holding on to that make you feel like you've got to make your religion a show? Because those are the things you've got to let go of. We've tried our best at St. James to create an atmosphere in which it's not a show. We've had people come to church in pajamas. And I'm not talking on Pajama Sunday, because every Christmas, if we have worship on Christmas Day, and we have a couple of years had Sunday fall on Christmas Day, so we had, I'm in your pajamas, bring your toys, whatever you want to, come to worship. And some people do come in pajamas. But we've had people who came to church in pajamas every time they came. And it was perfectly fine, because it's not a show. You can wear shorts. We want you to feel comfortable because in the end, it's not a show. Now, my parents on the other side, they're from a different generation. They're all about this is the way we honor God by wearing certain clothing. This is the way we honor God. And for them, it's not a show to wear a suit or for mom to wear a dress or a nice pantsuit to worship. They dress that way because that's the way they honor God. It's not a show. That's the way they honor God. And if that's the way you honor God, honor God. That's, in the end, that's all we can do at our best possible moments is honor God. Whatever you're wearing, whatever you're doing, however you're behaving, whatever you're thinking, does it honor God? Does it show love to God and your neighbor? Because in the end, that's all that counts. That is all that matters. Stay awake. Clothe yourself with love. My assignment for you this week is to look at your life. Are you even showing the love of God? Are you showing God wherever you go? By being kind and gentle and turning the other cheek and using kind words. Are you thinking negative thoughts about everybody you run into? Uh, you're not really showing God then. Because guess what? I find out the thoughts that appear here, whether I'm aware of it or not, they just, I am a, apparently an open book. <laughs> so if I'm looking at you like you're a crackhead and you're telling me something, it means I'm thinking in my head, you're a crackhead. <laughs> you know, that is unfortunately the reality. My face just shows it right there. I can't hide it very well at all. I have tried. There was one time in my life I was able to lie to my wife. One time, and that one time I was able to lie to my wife was a surprise party for her. And I lied and lied and lied, and it was, it, I, I was sure she would see through me because she sees through me every time. Did you put away the dishes? Yes, honey, I put away the dishes. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> Usually it's, it's like that song by Colin Ray about, you know, uh, you know, uh, what time did you get in last night? You know, uh, what is it? Uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. 
I've stuck my story a few too many times. So I don't lie very well. In fact, not at all. But uh, what's the story that you're trying to stick to? And how are you going to live that out? Does love come out in every pore of your body in the way that you live? And if it doesn't, guess what? You've got some room to grow. Because guess what? God already accepts you right where you are. And God hopes to transform you over a lifetime as you grow in love. Just don't make your religion a show. Don't try to turn every conversation into a Jesus conversation artificially. People will know if you follow Jesus. They'll also know if you don't. Make your life beautiful by living God's love wherever you go all the time. And don't worry about if every if you can draw attention to yourself by it. Because if your intention is to draw in, you know, attention to you, you probably missed the point. So keep awake, pay attention to your intention, and maybe the last thing I would say is do you trust somebody in your life? Check in with them. Do I make my religion a show? I wouldn't ask that question of my wife unless I wanted to know the truth because Linda always tells me the truth. I don't ask her, so how was the sermon today if I don't want to know? Because if I don't, I won't ask <coughs> because she will tell me whether I want to hear it the way I want it or not. Now, she won't volunteer it if it's bad. Honey, man, I don't even know. Where did you come from? She won't volunteer that. It has to be really good for her to say, oh, wow, James, you were on fire today. Any of the in-between spaces, I enter at my own risk. <laughs> enter at my own risk. So if you have someone you trust, you can always ask him. Have I been off base about my faith? Do you think that I'm making a show of something that's not true? What do you see when you look at them? Do you have a trusted friend or a significant other who you've asked that question to? Just keep awake and be aware.